Hey there. Welcome to Crazy Good God Podcast. I'm Nancy Teague, and I am happy that you are listening in because you're on an incredible adventure to find out how big is God really? And in turn, well, how big am I? You're a lot bigger than you realize. The previous episode, number four, were about words that he spoke to me in a dream and then a vision. His dream point in terms of the words were all about relationship and closeness. How close? I'm talking extreme closeness. We're going to find out a little bit more, well, where is he really if he's that close? In Luke 17, verses 20-21, the Pharisees asked Jesus when the kingdom of God would come. And Jesus said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, careful watching, diligent watching, nor will they say, See here, hey, see there. Behold, Jesus said, Perceive, experience, see with your mind. Indeed, the kingdom of God is, and the word is, is I am. The kingdom of God, I am, within, inside of you. Now, I kind of wonder, did that go right over the Pharisee's head? Yeah, it did. Does it go right over our head? Yeah, it does. So we'll just let the Spirit hover over the words that Jesus said about his kingdom and him and where he's at. And this was before he went to the cross. My goodness. Okay, let me ask you some questions that tie in with our thinking, our mindsets, our traditions. How far away is God? In miles? How about in feeling? How about circumstances? In tradition? Teaching? What you've been told since maybe you were little? Hey, maybe his farawayness is like Buzz Lightyear said in Toy Story, infinity and beyond. Probably so. He's that big. Well, is the farawayness of God a personal thing? Does it tie in with our circumstances or how we process life, let alone God? Is it connected with choices we make? Okay, here's another question. Where is God located? Up there? Out there? Heaven? Well, where's heaven? Now, here's a key question. So when you pray, if you pray, when you pray, when you talk to God, where do you see him to be? So Maybe he's only there or you sense him in certain situations or you see that he's only with certain people. Now, what does difference make for his location? It's huge. It's a huge difference on a number of fronts because his proximity, where we see him to really be, it is unalterably connected to and expresses who he really is. So if he's far away from you, then how do you relate to that? But if his proximity is close, extremely close, that will shift the way you see how much he cares for you. Most of us were taught or told by whomever, wherever, whenever, quote, God is distant, man is separated because man sinned. If you believe that, many do. Well, it affects how you see God and how close he is and even how you relate to him. All right, let me give you a scripture that could be like a red flag that just might pop up for you sometimes when you hear something. And this is out of Colossians 2, 8 and 9. 
Paul writes, Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. So let's check out some of the Greek here. Beware, be observant, perceive, discern, be alert. Beware, lest anyone cheat you. Cheat means to carry off as spoil, to make a victim by fraud, to plunder. Cheat you through philosophy. Philosophy is the love of or pursuit of wisdom. It's elevating human wisdom over God's wisdom. It is also loving your own thoughts. So cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. Empty means ineffective, worthless, false, unreal, pretentious, hollow. Deceit is all about delusion, false impression, seducing. That's a little scary. Empty deceit according to the tradition. So catch that. Empty deceit according to the tradition. Tradition means a handing down from close beside according to tradition. So empty deceit according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. Paul goes on to say, For in him, in Christ Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now that's a mind explosion statement right there. The fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus bodily. How did he do that? I don't know. He's God. It's incredible. This is all incredible. So remember Jesus is God's final word about everything? You need to get that. God has nothing else to say. Once Jesus showed up, how Jesus walked, how he cared, what he did in his death and resurrection, that's his final word. As far as God's concerned, the Trinity is concerned, it's finished. Now, Jesus said, I only say what the Father tells me to say. I've come to show you the Father. You want to know who the Father is, God is? Look at me. I look like you. I'm very relatable. If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. The Father and I are one. Remember when Jesus said when he was hanging on the cross before he died, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So did the Father tell Jesus to say that? Did the Father answer that prayer? According to Jesus' words, he didn't say anything but what he heard the Father say. So let's see if Jesus' prayer about forgiveness was answered. The Holy Spirit witnesses to us, this is in Hebrews 10, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, having boldness, which in the Greek means to speak freely or boldly, to bear oneself boldly or confidently, to show assurance, to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Now that's how we can go right into his presence because we've been washed, we've been cleansed by what Jesus did. So charge on in there, be yourself. God's not going to be offended if you're ticked or if you're an absolute mess. He says, get in here, kids. Freedom to boldly speak in God's presence. Yikes, you know, it's like, but many might say, well, that's only for believers. Well, wait a minute. 
he said, I don't remember your sin anymore. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's a present tense. In 2 Corinthians 5.19, God was in Christ, not counting their trespasses against them, and has reconciled the cosmos to himself. The cosmos, like the entire world, the universe, everything that's out there has been reconciled, restored to himself. Is this true or not? I mean, we got a lot of junk going on right now in this world. A lot of division, a lot of hatred, a lot of destruction. But something happened in the realm from which we came. And you need to remember that the veil was torn in two from top to bottom when Jesus died. Do we know what that means? Can you imagine the priests where here's this 12-inch thick veil ripped from the top to the bottom. Nobody climbed up on a ladder to do that. It was supernaturally torn by the power of the Spirit because of the power of his death for us. Can you just see the priest like, get back, get back, don't get in here, don't get in here. Look, only, only we can get in here. Only we're the ones that are the closest to God. Only we're the ones with the answers for you. We got to change our mindset about that kind of thinking. But for some reason, the message continues. Mankind is separated from God all because of sin. So back to tradition. If sin made God distance himself from man, and man has to do something to remove the distance, then what is that saying about the power of sin? What does that say about the power of man? What kind of power does it have over God? I mean, we seem to think it has a lot of power. It really has none. But somehow, in tradition, we've been told that your sin is awful. You need to do something. And then we can also say, well, you must make Jesus Lord over your life. But think about that. What is that really saying? If you make him Lord, then who really is the Lord? You? Because you make it happen. I mean, how twisted is that kind of thinking? It's like there's this veil over our eyes. We don't even see what we've been told and just march step believing. So what is sin? What is the Greek meaning of sin? But first, what do we call sin? We think of it as activities, immoral activities, lying, anger, any kind of evil stuff. The Greek meaning of sin is without form or allotted portion, without substance, basically empty. You have no form. Sin is anything that distracts us, hinders us, deludes us from the awareness of God's true identity, our likeness to him, and our true identity. And it just feels like we've made sin and its subsequent effect of guilt, condemnation, fear, the focus. We beat ourselves up. We hear messages that beat us up. That's not God. If he said, I don't remember your sin, then why do we keep focusing on sin? Because we see it going on, right? But what is not happening? What revelation of the mystery of Jesus' finished work have we not come into yet? Or even realize there's more? Seriously now, I've been thinking about this. If sin is the focus that we've made, is sin an idol? If we keep looking at how awful we are, if we keep looking at how awful other people are, where's the focus? 
God isn't the focus. No, sin and man is. God's not perplexed by our waywardness. He's still there. Just like we just keep hearing this, we need to repent of our sin. We need to get back to God. Now, what does the word say about getting back to God? Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Therefore, having boldness, come on in. We need to repent. We need to change our way of thinking in terms of the Jesus way, not the Bible way, because man has taken a lot of scriptures and added their own interpretation, their own filters, their own traditions to what it's saying. Now, when we think about, well, what does it look like when I repent? Well, what I used to do was my heart would be broken. I'd be crying out, I'm so sorry, God. And I was so sincere and I'd cry. Sometimes I even sobbed because I felt I had grieved him so much and I'll do better the next time and I'll just press in harder and please forgive me. I want to be right with you. We can make ourselves a mess in thinking what it means to repent and get back to God. But when we realize that repent, and many of you probably know this, it's metanoia, it's from the word meta, means together with, and nous, which is mind or mental awareness, it suggests a radical mind shift. It's like, go the opposite way. It's to change your mind or thinking. It's changed after being with, to think differently afterwards. It's an awakening to the awareness of God's thoughts about you, about us. It's like John the Baptist when he said, repent. Change your thinking. It's not about offering sacrifices and following rules. For the kingdom of God is at hand. When John said the kingdom of God is at hand, the Greek means has drawn close. In the Greek, it means extreme closeness, a presence. It is here because the moment of this coming happened. It's immediate imminence. It's an accomplished action standing as a present reality. It appears 14 times in the New Testament in the Greek perfect tense, which means something present that has already happened. Now you got to think about that one. So listen to this. In Mark 1.15, Jesus said, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. I mean, that wasn't like a doom and gloom. It was just like, hey, it's already here. It's full. It's complete. The kingdom is extremely close to you. Change your way of thinking and be persuaded. I know this is too profound for you, but be persuaded this is so. So remember when I started the podcast, I shared Luke 17 about Jesus saying, the kingdom is within you. It doesn't come with observation. It's like, guys, It's inside, secret, inside, within. That little Greek word, N-E-N, inside, within. So what does that look like, the kingdom inside of us? How is that possible? I don't know. He's God. Thank God he's God. So remember the where question, well, where is God? We could also ask, where is the kingdom? Jesus himself said, I am the kingdom. (laughs) You're making this too big, come on. It's not when, it is where, but the where within ultimately leads us to the who. It's bigger than huge ramifications when you see, when you see 
with your mind's eye when you see in the spirit this profound truth. When you see this, worry and fear and grief won't own you. The when, the where, the why won't consume you because you know the who, the wonder and the goodness of the who, who is always leaning towards you for your benefit. Some of you may still be stuck back when I said about Jesus telling the Pharisees after they asked, well, when's the kingdom coming? And Jesus goes, well, there's no observation. That doesn't bring the kingdom because the kingdom's already happened. It's already here, and it all has to do with me, and it's an inside job. So Jesus' words beg this question. How big is he? How big is what he did? We're touching on the mystery of God, and he wants us to know the mysteries. The Spirit is moving globally to open eyes all around to God's true identity, and consequently, our true identity in him. So be excited, be curious, be open, be teachable, stay tuned. The next podcast, episode six, you're going to find out just how close is he really? Is he really as close as you're saying? How can that be? The concentric circle vision that I spoke of in episode four that he gave me in a dream? We're going to find out how that fits perfectly in John's gripping words that he began in John chapter one. Okay now, bliss to you, and never forget he is absolutely crazy about you.